pray with me. Heavenly Father, we hear your invitation. You say to us, come as we are. And Lord, you know how difficult that is. Because we want to say, it's the other person's problem. I'm okay. I've got it sort of together. And coming as I am, getting up, walking, coming to you, means I have to be honest, not only with you because you already know everything, but I have to be honest with myself. And I have to allow that invitation to really take effect in my life. Lord, you say that you've begun a good work by coming into our life in the power of the Holy Spirit and baptism and creating faith in us. But at the same time, Lord, you also say that we are to work at our salvation with fear and trembling. So, Lord, in the ambivalence and the overlap of how we hear those things, come as you are, that you are going to work a good work and complete that good work until the day of Christ Jesus. And we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Tonight, Lord, we need to be invigorated with your word. We need to be attentive to your word. Holy Spirit, allow us to move those things aside that keep us from hearing, that keep us from understanding, that keep us from believing, that keep us from simply accepting that invitation and taking you at your word. We thank you tonight for traveling light. And we ask, Lord, as we understand what that means, that we would also be able to remember it and by your grace, strength, mercy, and power, put it into effect. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. May you be glorified. Amen. Traveling light. You can take that in two ways. Traveling light in the light of the Lord or traveling light, unfettered, unburdened. How many of you have taken a trip recently? Let me ask you, is it easy packing for the trip? Are you one of those people that starts a week before, lays everything out, looks at it, says yes, no, and adds to it, and then finally decides and packs up? Or are you one of those people that feel the urgency, the pressure, and say to yourself, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And in the last moment, before you really have to pack, you throw everything in. And then on your trip, you're thinking, What was I thinking? Why did I bring that? Or why didn't I bring that? Well, in traveling, it's probably best to travel as light as possible. Um, You know, after being on a plane, that everybody wants to carry their bag and put it on the plane, right? Nobody wants to check it. Nobody wants to have to go and wait at baggage claim. Nobody wants to haul that through the airport. Nobody wants to fiddle with that and maybe pay extra for that bag. 
everybody wants to bring it on board. But you realize that people bring things on board on a plane. Have you seen that? And you think, did you check that little container before you went through the door? Did your bag fit in there? No, it didn't. There's no way your bag fit in there because you are up there trying to stuff it in to that little overhead. And in the meantime, you're shoving everybody else's bags all over the place and they're crushing their stuff, but you have a priority. You've seen that? And you sit there and think, now, that was way too big. Yes, it's a backpack. It's a backpack, but it's a giant backpack. You should have bought a seat for it if you were going to fly with that thing. And then there's sometimes when the airline just says, I'm sorry, you'll have to check that. And as you're walking down, boarding the plane, you see all those bags sitting there, right? And maybe you've had that experience that they've told you there's no more room. And you have a little bag. And there's no more room because somebody with a giant bag has taken double the amount of room. Now, traveling light, if you travel anywhere, it's much better to travel light because you're flexible. You can carry your stuff, immediately change if there's a place that you want to see, you want to go. It's easy. Pick it up, go, and you're on your way. And if if you've ever been, and I certainly have been in that situation with a family dragging our bags through the streets of a foreign country in a big city like London, you know what you are? You're a target. You're a target for everybody who knows you're a tourist. And if you have your family there, they're really a target. So traveling light becomes an important thing when you move about and do the things in life that you'd like to do. But we're talking tonight also about traveling in the light, that this invitation from Jesus, come as you are, means that you may be received as you are, but he's not going to leave you there, right? If he leaves you there, half done, questioning, struggling, how are you going to face life? Well, successful? Do you think God wants your life to be successful as a believer? Certainly he does. The cross tells us, because Jesus said, this is a work that I've completed, and then walked out of the grave to proclaim victory. So as we come tonight, let's look at this passage in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus invites us to consider this invitation to travel light. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll discover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Read it with me. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, that's an invitation from God himself, Jesus the Lord, saying that he is wanting us to discover something more than we can produce by relying on ourselves. The word that he's used here in this come to me is an aspect of, of what was all around people. They could see animals yoked together. The yoke, the purpose of the yoke was to do work, basically. But it was so that more effort would be shared effort in that yoke arrangement. And there was a part of it that bound them together so that they could pull whatever needed to be pulled. They could accomplish the task. They were yoked together. So hear this invitation of Jesus saying, you're carrying a yoke and it's too much for you to do by yourself. Now, there are places in the world where they actually yoke a single animal. Still in the Far East, they do that. But nevertheless, that yoke is to help something be accomplished. And how much better to have it accomplished with two rather than one. He says, first come to me, but he says to do something important. He says to jettison your burdens. Now, jettison is one of those words that I like. You can almost hear it being done. You can almost see it as you say it. Jettison came from um, shipboard or in planes where they would get rid of cargo that made it difficult to fly the plane or float the ship. It was too much, so they got rid of it. You remember that Jonah went through that when he went off to, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he went off the opposite direction. And they jettisoned everything, and in the end, they jettisoned who? Jonah. They threw him overboard because they realized after all of these things going on, throwing the dice and praying and crying out to God, that it was Jonah that was a cause of that terrible storm where they were all going to die. So they jettisoned. Jettison is one of those picture words that we actually has to have to become involved with. It isn't something that somebody else does. It's the invitation that comes to us. We have to let go of those things. We have to empty ourselves of those burdens. We've been handling it, and we've been beaten up by them. We've been overwhelmed by them. We've been discouraged by them. We've been made the opposite of what Jesus wants us to be, victorious. And so he invites us to jettison them, to let go of them. Now, he was talking to people who were under the law. And everybody is under the law. That's everybody is living with this sense of expectation, of doing the very best job, whether it's internally or someone else. You know, you can't go through a day where someone is giving you instructions about how you should do your job. Really? Yes, that's true. Whatever you do, there's somebody there watching out for themselves, and you happen to be connected with them, and they're going to tell you how to do your job, and whatever it is, they're going to manage you because they don't want to look bad if you don't do your job. Does that happen? We live 
Yeah, all the way up. All the way up and all the way down, doesn't it? We had a phrase for that in the military. I won't share that with you, but if you've been in the military, you know what that is. You understand the pressure of responsibility. And if you're having to make yourself right with God, what kind of pressure are we feeling? What kind of overwhelming situational pressure are we going to present ourselves with and what is going to be the effect of that if we feel like we have to measure up? You know, all the religions of the world are trying to measure up. The one unique religion of the world that speaks freedom is Christianity. Because Jesus said, I took this burden. When he took that cross beam of his cross and walked at Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem up to Golgotha, he carried that heavy cross beam of his own death. And that was a focus on why he had come. He came to live perfectly under the law. It says that not a jot or tittle would be removed from the law. Now, that's just not a phraseology that the Bible says. In Hebrew, a dot tells you whether a word has, uh, has, a, has part of the alphabet, has it shapes the word because consonants are primary, and then the dot tells you about vowels, and that will give you the meaning of that word in the setting. So every jot and tittle, if a, a dot was out of place, or tittle meaning the space between letters was measured, so that they were so precise when they copied the, the Hebrew in the Old Testament that they made sure that they measured everything because God was an exacting God. It was important. God cares about the details. Not that we are fixing all of the details. He cares about the details because he's going to shoulder those details. He's shouldered every one of them. Yes, the words are in Scripture, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know what that does to us? It humbles us. Because we think we are perfect very often. The first thing that comes down the pike sometimes when people express criticism of us is not, okay, I'll think about that. What's the first thing we do? Who do you think you are? How can you tell me? That's the first impulse. That's because of our sin nature. It rejects not only humankind. We all want to be in the same boat. We all want to kind of equalize everything and say, we're all sinners. We can do that in one sense, say nobody can be critical of us because you don't know what I've gone through and you don't know who I am. And I believe that everybody sins and struggles, so we can't judge, although that doesn't stop us sometimes. But when God says to us, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect, he knows everything about us. We can't pull the wool over his eyes. We can't explain our way out of situations. He sees everything, every thought, every action, every motivation, and he evaluates it. In fact, in the New Testament, when Paul got criticized in the church, and by the way, the church is critical. The church shoots its wounded. The church expects so much out of leadership. As soon as somebody stands up, they expect them to have their act together perfect every moment of every time. What it should 
create is humbleness. Paul said, you know, all of you are making evaluations. You're saying, well, you know, I like, Paul, I like you, but, you know, I like Cephas better. You, you know, I, there's some other teachers that really appeal to me and make things so much easier for me to understand. I really choose to be under their tutelage. You know, you're not so great, Paul. I know some of your history. And he would say to them, you know, you can judge me, but that doesn't account for a whole lot. And you know what? He said, I don't even judge myself. I don't evaluate myself. He says, only God can evaluate. Only God knows, sees us, understands. Again, back to that invitation. But when he makes known those things, when they become very clear to us, when we realize, oh my gosh, I've been carrying around this burden. I've been struggling with this, trying to fix it myself. I've been this person, and that's not what God intended and planned. And here's what his vision is, and I'm here. Why? Because God isn't what he said he's going to do isn't what, who he says he is and hasn't done what he says he's going to do. No, it's me holding back. I have been centralizing everything around me. And he invites us to come back and see ourselves clearly. In James it says, if we look in the scripture like a mirror and see ourselves and go away and forget what we look like, well, what good has it been for us to spend time in the word? <laughs> We need to know who we really are so that we can stop making everything about us and understand that when we let go of those things, we realize how much we're loved, how much we're forgiven, and who is for us, that God is mighty and able to deal with anything that we struggle with and bring us answers, help, and victory in. Greater is he, Jesus said, than he that is in the world. We often get so hung up in sin, ours, other people's. We get hung up in the devil. The devil made me do it. We get hung up in what we think God's expectations are and how we failed or how disappointed we are with prayer and that it didn't get answered in the way that we wanted to when we need to just lay it all down. And stop trying to bring ourselves up and present ourselves to God in a way that makes us acceptable. You know, in Romans it says that we are to be living sacrifices. Not conformed to the world any longer. And the only way that we can do that is by seeing ourselves clearly in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and in the economy of the gospel. We have to jettison those things when they're made known. Those burdens that overwhelm us, that we've tried to fix, and we can't. Jettison it. Come to me. Just come to me. He says, come to me and then sit with me. Come away with me. Learn from me. Take time. Get to know who I am. You know, that unfortunately, is what most of the Christian church does not do. Because if we did, if we spent time with God in the person of Jesus Christ, 
our lives would be utterly transformed and our churches would be powerful and this would be a platform for going out with the gospel and facing no matter what because there is nothing that's greater than our living God and that every moment of every day we would know that his presence is in us and in our work and in our thoughts and in our loving and serving and giving And we would see that it's an eternal investment, not just what we're going to get right here and now. But unfortunately, we have presented a gospel of comfort. That's why our churches are dying. How did 12 men who, when we read, they doubted Jesus, they questioned Jesus, they even tried to instruct Jesus, how did those 12 men ever turn the world upside down, change the Roman Empire that controlled the world at that time with soldiers and power and kingdom. Jesus saying to them, my kingdom is not of this world. What took them from where they were to lay their life down for the gospel? was the person of Jesus Christ and the power of his words and the gift of the Holy Spirit that transformed them to saying, I'm going to let go of all these things that I have been programmed to call important, and I am now going to discover what Jesus has been saying to me, not only by knowing it, but then by Believing and putting it into practice. Come learn from me. Exchange the yoke. He said, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden of light is light. In that passage from um, in the translation, from the message, it says to come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's a, a kind of a, a engaging phrase. The unforced rhythms of grace. You see, there are rhythms in life. We know all kinds of rhythms. We know the rhythm of music. We know the rhythm of, 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 of air. We know the rhythm of, of water. We know the rhythm of, of all of these things in our life. But the rhythms of grace, all of it is encapsulated in God's full gift of grace. He wants us to discover freedom, not to be burdened. Not imprisonment. He invites us to learn about something that's transformative. If you picked up that devotion, Taking the Yoke of Jesus, Dr. Charles Stanley highlights a couple things. This whole picture is a symbol of the believer's transformation. Submitting our burden to the Lord means submitting our very selves to him as well. The only way that Christ can share our load is for him to exercise control of our life. That's why the earliest confession in the Bible and in the early church was simple. It wasn't the Apostles' Creed. It wasn't the Athanasian Creed. It wasn't any of those creeds. It was simply when someone came to faith and they were being baptized, Jesus is Lord. What's encapsulated in that simple little confession is that you're saying, That person is saying that Jesus is my Savior. I don't have to fulfill all of the law because he fulfilled it 
for me. And then he took all of the facts in my life that I didn't fulfill, my sins, my arrogance, my rejection, my rebellion, and took them to the cross and said, it's done, it's taken care of. And then, Lord, Jesus is Lord, meaning that now I have served many things. I've served myself, I've served other people, I've served kings, I've served rulers, I've served a lot of motivations. But now I come and I lay it down in Jesus because he's the one who deserves all of the praise and the thankfulness and the glory. And I need his lordship, him managing my life. As our steps begin to align with his, our new yoke shifts the weight of our problems onto his shoulders. When those animals were yoked together, they shared it. But now, you know what? The uniqueness of this yoke, which is different than any other picture of yoke, is that all of a sudden, he bears the heavy load. He takes all of the things that we struggle with because we can turn to him. We can call upon him. We can pray. We can read his word. We can talk with him. He's available, and he answers our prayers, and he is the one as we walk to teach us how to trust God. That's really at the heart. You know what faith is? It's simply taking God at his word. I hope all of you um, have hobbies. You do? You have hobbies? You like to do things? Um, some of you might like to repair things. Some of you like to make things. Some of you like to be creative. Some of you like to take something old and make it new. Um, I hope all of you this evening had an opportunity to get something in a little bag. And that's a cookie. Okay, I like a lot of things. I like to create things. I like to do. But what I really like is, is baking. Because you know what? You can mess up and you can eat whatever you've made, usually. Because the ingredients um, are usually not nitroglycerin or some sort of poison. Uh, the ingredients are pretty good, but they're in and of themselves, they're a little over the top. You know, I just don't eat raw eggs on a regular basis. I don't drink a cup of sugar. I don't just open up a, a vanilla bottle and drink it down. Um, that's desperate now that I think of it. I, you know, flour, I just don't take a, two cups out and just... Ugh. And usually the ingredients are, are edible, and, but when you take all of those in, in, in a sort of a science, if any of you bake, it's very different than cooking. Cooking, you can be, woo, you can be sipping the wine and making all kinds of things and have it still turn out really good. But baking is a science. It makes a difference when you add certain things how much you add and what those ingredients are to get. It's a science experiment. But when you have a recipe, somebody who's already been a science and has already blown up things in the kitchen um, has already, you know, worked out all the bugs. And when we come to the Lord, he already has a recipe in mind for you and for me. It's unique for you 
and for me. It has our name on it. That's because God gives us a new name in faith. And he's already worked out a plan. And he can see how to mix all of those things together in such a way to produce something wonderful. And even when we come up with strange, exotic ingredients because of our choices and decisions and our ideas and our experiences in life... All of us have multiple experiences. You grew up in a certain way in your home, father, mother, maybe not a father, mother. You, you grew up with ideas and, and practices and cultural kinds of things. And all of those things, you know, God takes into consideration. He takes into consideration the rebellion, the resistance, the needs, the, the talents, all of those things. He has a recipe for each one of us, and he mixes it up in such a way to bring good things out of it, only he can do that because he's the infinite God. That's what this is all about when we put a, take his yoke and we learn of Jesus because Jesus says, I'm humble, I'm kind, I'm loving. I understand how to get you through the most difficult parts of your life where you will not be damaged in such a way that you will no longer understand that I love you. And then we have an opportunity together as Christians to be yoked together with one purpose. The purpose of the cross of the church is the cross. People think, well, you know, the, the church is a business, and it is, but what is the business of the church? It is Jesus. It's all about him. It's, it's living Jesus, presenting Jesus, and helping people discover Jesus. That's what those disciples shared. And they went to their death because they knew for certain that their future eternity was in God's hands and they were not going to be disappointed. And they won't be. And neither will we as we trust him. One day we're going to stand at that sea, crystal sea, as the picture of the Bible talks about. We're going to stand in the presence of the holy God what does that mean? We're going to stand there with all the believers of all time, all the greats that we've read about, and all the people that maybe we will never hear until eternity, and then we'll get to know them. We'll get to know them because they'll be there, and we'll be there because of Jesus. You'll get to know Mary, a survivor of a four-day killing spree in Nigeria in June. And she says this, he who has been faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. More than 200 Christians were killed in the attacks at the end of June, and 12 villages were decimated as Muslim Fulani militant herdsmen carried out that four-day killing spree. And as a result, thousands have lost their homes and communities, and Christians, other Christians in other, from other places have set up camps at local churches and are reaching out to the hungry to supply them. You know what Mary said at the end of all of this? She says this to you and to me as well as all of those who have responded, and it's an invitation to come and participate in bearing the yoke, the burden of someone else. She says this, my prayer is this. She's praying for us. 
She's praying for people who have responded to her need. And that's happened time and time and time again from the scriptures all the way to this present when people have been given the opportunity to respond to the needs around them in the church. My prayer is this. May God pay you back a thousandfold and may he renew your strength. May he continue to bless and protect you. (laughs) The scripture tells us in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we understand living and traveling light, it means simply this, that we travel in this gracious invitation to shoulder the yoke with Jesus, to learn from him, to be generous as he's been generous with us, to forgive as he has forgiven us, to love as he loves us, and to pray for those, whether they are believers in the faith around the world or they are people who have rejected the gospel and are yet to know Christ and who we are participating in so that they do. That's the invitation. Are you ready for that invitation? Is that the invitation that you said yes to many years ago? Maybe at confirmation, maybe at your baptism, maybe as a child, maybe as a young adult, maybe as an adult. Maybe you haven't done that, but now's the time to do it because the time is short. And we can see the hand of God moving to meet people where they're at, yes, but not leave them there. And you and I, as believers, if that's where we are, traveling light and traveling in the light, have an opportunity to witness to them, to share with them, and to help them understand what it means to be yoked with Jesus Christ. Come to me, he says. Learn from me. As we come tonight, I would like us to be open to these words of invitation that we let go of the things that we are struggling with and we let Jesus, along with us, shoulder them in a way that gives us relief and release. You know what? We can't give anybody anything unless we've experienced it ourselves. So tonight, I invite you to let go of those things that often keep you from trusting God and to say yes to him because he says yes to you. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we want to trust you. And it becomes difficult because we get in the way. Help us to get out of the way, to let go, to jettison those things, and to come exchange what we've been carrying around for what you will give us so that we can tell others how wonderful you are as Savior and Lord. We pray these things and give you thanks in your name. Amen. I'm going to have us leave out the offering tonight. I'd like for us just to make a confession of faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.